Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. My guest today on the Sustainable Finance Podcast recently launched his new Amazon best-selling book. The title is The ESG Data Revolution, Sustainable Fuel for Tomorrow's Business. Michael Poisson's advice for organizations large and small is to confidently explore the cutting-edge tools of this rapidly expanding field and tap into sustainability for long-term success. Michael is an established fintech executive with a passion for corporate responsibility and ESG data. And he's the managing director at Ideal Ratings, responsible for their North American business. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the business of ESG data. But before we get started, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. If you're tuning into this podcast, then you already understand the crucial role finance plays in the transition to a sustainable future. With the right individuals leading the way in top companies, sustainability becomes more than just a buzzword. That's why we're excited to have Acre as our sponsor. As a world-leading sustainability search and recruitment company, Acre enables organizations to create real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in their teams. Visit the Acre website and learn more about their latest opportunities or to get in touch with building your perfect team. Hello, Michael, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Hi, Paul, and thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. We're very excited to have you join us, especially with your the, the news about your new book. And your new book projects that the number of firms in the ESG data industry or business will surpass 1,000 by 2025. Michael, who's investing and from where do you see the capital flowing into ESG data? Yeah, thanks again, Paul. Uh, the, the, the interesting question is, and uh, the question about why I wrote this book in the first place was not really to educate so much about ESG and sustainability, but to bring an awareness to the businesses that are emerging out of the ESG data itself. So, you know, when I started writing this book, there are over 150 different vendors out there selling ESG data. Uh, you might think that's a very large number, but uh, some of them, of course, are focusing on uh, carbon. Some of them are focusing on water. Some of them focusing, like the big guys, on everything. Uh, but there's you know, well over 150 vendors just selling data. So the surge in the businesses covers not only the data companies, uh, which may expand or contract, but all the related services that are coming out of the data themselves. So that means portfolio management software. That means these days, with a lot of new regulation and compliance, you're going to need compliance technology and you need assurance, and then eventually you're going to need insurance. So it just the, the whole business of ESG is expanding tremendously. Yes, I was just reading a story this morning about Deloitte's new um, Scope 3 emissions tracking software that they are bringing out. So there's an example of a very large consulting and accounting firm in the field that is one of the one of the firms that will keep producing more and more opportunities for tracking ESG data, I'm sure. Now, how big is the business of ESG data today, Michael, in 2023? 
Well, the, the business of the data itself uh, surpassed uh, one billion about two years ago. Uh, that's according to a, a, a European regulator uh, who, quite interestingly, is looking to potentially regulate the data providers. Uh, so not only are the investment managers subject to some scrutiny, uh, now it is it is still a bit wild west out there in terms of data, and uh, you know who's who's looking to see if the data is good and accurate and clear. Uh, so kind of we're all under the microscope these days. But yeah, we've surpassed a billion dollars just in the data business a couple of years ago, uh, and of those 150 vendors, there's probably four or five that have 75% market share uh, of the data business itself. Uh, but we, I think we're gonna be expanding exponentially based on the, the businesses that, again, that are emerging from the data itself. Okay, so that's a billion, billion dollars for the, for the industry at the moment in total revenues on an annual basis, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so now beyond EV mobility, which of course here in the U.S. is the big uh, area that everybody wants to have more data around. What are the emerging industries as a result of the growth of ESG data? Well, it's interesting. Uh, you, you've had a lot of guests on that talk about very specific investments in technologies, mm. whether it's electronic vehicles or solar power or wind power. You know, I'm just getting right down to the the, the, the nasty business of data, uh, and it's kind of an evolution of the industry. I mean, it, some I track it back to 50 years ago, when the data was simply, uh, if you say the origins of ESG and responsible investing might have gone back to the era of apartheid. Uh, the first ESG data point was: is a business is a company doing business in South Africa? Yes, no. One question, one binary question, and in an effort to not uh, empower a government uh, that we're disagreeing with their policies, we just want one data element. Um, are we supporting that government? Uh, do we want to support companies who are supporting that government, et cetera? Now, of course, we've evolved tremendously since then. Uh, my company, Ideal Ratings, covers over 350 individual ESG risk factors. Um, in terms of the E, you know, is are they good or bad to the environment? Are they, you know, are they emitting, you know, carbon? Uh, the S, are they the fair employers? Are they offering benefits? And G, do they actually care about this stuff? Um, so the data continues to expand as well. But uh, a recent conversation, you know, asked me, you know, is ESG a framework or is ESG an asset class? And I'm kind of leaning towards my, you know, the things that I'm talking about these days is ESG as an asset class. And what does that mean? Well, it started with once you have data, you can come up with some index, some benchmark to compare against. And that benchmark turns into an index, which turns into an ETF, which turns into some type of investable product, which turns into a fund, which turns into a fund of fund. So there's this whole kind of uh, as an investment vehicle, uh, ESG is emerging that way. Um, and then you, you go beyond that in terms of private equity investments in companies that are doing something, you know, in the ESG space. And it may not be making an electric vehicle. It might be making that portfolio management system that's helping the responsible investor, you know, monitor and, and, and evaluate the stocks that they're investing in or investments that they're investing in. So, 
my gosh, you know, just like the terminology and the acronyms that are flying all over the place in this industry, you know, it's really hard to get your head around, you know, well, what investment opportunity is it? Uh, is it a company? Is it an index? Is it an ETF? Or is it a small private company that's developing the next best thing that's going to have an impact of some form or fashion? So, Michael, I've been taking the opposite side of this argument about a framework or asset class for a number of years uh, because I feel very, pretty strongly that um, uh, ESG data is a toolkit, if you will, for measuring both from within and from without how companies work with ESG data. Uh, I understand what you're suggesting that there are now there's now a proliferation of products based on ESG data as well. Um, do you think that that is going to continue uh, to expand at the same rate that uh, the ESG frameworks that track the data will expand? Yeah, just as the, you know, what is ESG data, the definition of ESG data continues to expand, change. I think the regulators are going to tell us what's important and what's not. Mm -hmm. um, and then the investment companies that could care less about this stuff two years ago are going to be required to focus on it. Um, just like the, the data is changing, the frameworks change as well. So if I go not down the asset class avenue, but down the framework avenue, I'm seeing that what the data does is it creates awareness. So anybody that's interested in a company needs to measure it somehow, whether it's, again, the E, the S, the G, or some other factor. Uh, so data uh, begets awareness, which leads to uh, change. So the company's now aware that it's being measured, and they have to make a decision whether they're going to change or not. And then we go back into the awareness and then back to the change, to the awareness and the change. Somewhere along the way, the investor looks in and when they're happy with the change or they're going to make that buy, no buy decision, um, then it gets into the portfolio. But that whole loop in terms of awareness, change or not, awareness, change, not, we keep going back to the very beginning, data, awareness, change. So the data keeps changing. Uh, the measurement or the awareness keeps changing. And then the decision whether the uh, investor will decide to include that in port their portfolio or not will change. Um, my business, Investor Analytics, uh, actually didn't even start in the ESG data business. We started in the socially responsible business, ethical investing, very specifically Islamic investing. So Sharia law compliance, which is a very tough screen. Uh, but even with tough screens, uh, they keep changing the thresholds. You know, is well, I, you know, it's a very good investment. And maybe if they're under a threshold of 5% or 7% or 10%, uh, it's good enough. So <laughs> it's again, the, the rules keep changing, the data changes, the assessment changes, and even the, uh, the rules for the assessment you know, will continue to change as well. I mean, it's, it's, it is a wild, wild west. I said that again, because, you know, the data is crazy. The regulation hasn't settled in yet, uh, and then the applications and the business opportunities are just exploding. It is wild, wild west. <laughs> yes. Well, let's talk about the regulation a little bit. Uh, you just mentioned it. Uh, typically, in terms of market development versus government development, regulations trail the markets in terms of what they uh, decide are the things that 
could be ESG or any other type of regulatory measurement. What's your perspective on that? I mean, because we've got major um, regulatory infrastructures being constructed at the same time as the ESG data world is proliferating. And that's happening both in the EU, uh, in the UK, in the US. And we were just talking with someone this morning who's uh, working in the APAC um, economies and things are happening fast and furiously there as well. So how about regulation related to data and when are the governments and the regulators going to become significant players in this game where companies have to really start paying attention closely to what the regulators are saying? Yeah, it's interesting. The more I come out and talk with very smart people like you, about the data and what's going on in industry today, the more very unpopular statements or, or convictions I come up with. Uh, and one <laughs> is, you know, when I say regulation is good, oof, I, I get a lot of stares. You know, what's this guy saying? Uh, well, it's an industry that was dying for regulation for many, 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 many years. Yes. And I think uh, regulation in this particular instance is going to be progress. It's not popular. Uh, it may not be right, uh, but it's necessary. And what's happening, I, I find this phenomenal um, process going on where, you know, you've got hundreds or thousands of asset managers who could care less about sustainable investing or ESG, but now they're impacted and they're required to disclose certain information. They're required to appease the regulators. And so these are now, um, you know, uh, reluctant uh, participants in this ESG world of ESG. I see this as a, as a, again, a great thing where all these extremely intelligent people uh, in these investors that, you know, have more brain power than the industry has ever had. I consider, you know, our version of parallel processing has come alive today because we've now activated millions of new people into the ESG world that war that were reluctant participants. And once they start you know, looking at the data only because they have to, they're gonna start questioning the data. They're gonna start questioning the regulators. And then we're gonna find, I'd say over the next five years, they're gonna find maybe the data set that we should have been looking at all along. They're gonna be looking, I mean, these guys are gonna find some type of alpha Again, because we've got really, really smart people that didn't want to be in this business, uh, reluctantly in the business. So I think there's going to be a new set of analytics coming to market in the next five years uh, that we've not even thought of. And it's all because we forced these people to get into the game. And that's one of the benefits of the regulation as well. I agree with you. And I think that's one of the big challenges going forward in this industry. Uh, but what else is facing sustainability research and data development as challenges, let's just say, within the next few years? Well, again, the regulators are going to tell us in the short term what's important. So as I mentioned earlier, we at Ideal Ratings have a, um, 350 individual risk factors. Well, if the regulators are saying, these are the 20 I need you to report on, well, the whole world is going to start focusing on those 20. And the 150 different data vendors are going to start reconsidering what they're doing for research, how they're doing the research. So, and you're going to see, you know, data vendors uh, teaming up, being acquired, going out of business, 
uh, and everybody's going to focus on kind of that near-term need of what we need for this alphabet soup of regulation, uh, SFDR out of Europe, uh, UK taxonomy. Uh, I mean, it, it, TCFD, it's, it's, it's again, a, an alphabet soup of regulation. But the I think the biggest impact is going to be some kind of disruption in the data vendors themselves to figure out whether they've got the right stuff to even participate in the, the immediate need. So look for a lot of kind of M&A activity in the, uh, in the data business, uh, in, as well as new vendors coming out and old vendors going out um, uh, because the, the, the requirements are changing as we speak. Do you see this type of consolidation within the ESG data industry as a limitation of its long-term growth potential? Or do you see this as an opportunity for the industry to keep expanding and growing uh, and spinning off more and more um, small companies, let's say, to begin with that have the potential for long-term growth themselves and perhaps even become part of the infrastructure uh, that we're talking about? Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting question because I've, I've I kind of categorize the industry in in two major camps. There are certainly many others, but the major camps being the traditional researchers. They start with what a company reports. Uh, they look for all publicly available information. Uh, they know the questions to ask, and they ask them, and they build a database. Um, what was once considered at one time ESG version two was the introduction of artificial intelligence and NLP, natural language processing, where they were going to derive the data based on tens of thousands of global publications, newspapers, uh, uh, audio reports, uh, interviews, uh, and they're going to, you know, their models were going to tell us what the data is because they didn't believe that the companies were reporting, you know, accurate and proper data. Um, you know, I think one of the the disadvantages is when one company says mine's better than yours. I think the you know the, those that believe that uh, this is you know take all available sources of data and uh, and offer as much transparency to the research as we want companies to have in their disclosures, so that the people that are acquiring the data, buying the data, using the data know that this is derived, or this is actual, or this is some type of a hybrid. Uh, in, in their use and their application of the data. So I think, that, again, the, the really smart people that are going to come to the table uh, are aware of the fact that there's, uh, you know, hard, true published data. And with the introduction of more assurance companies and uh, auditors uh, coming to make sure that the actually reported data is real data, uh, compared to the derived data through these very, very intelligent models, uh, we're going to get to some some truth someday. I don't, but I don't say that's. I don't believe that's next year. I think you know this is an evolution. That's a process. If this industry is fifty years old, uh, you know, with the acceleration of technology, you know, we still have five, ten years before we get that much closer to the truth. Okay. So now, Michael, I know that the sustainability team at Acre, our sponsor for the Sustainable Finance Podcast, will be listening closely when you answer this question, which is, what do you think about sustainability and ESG as college majors or as career paths for people who are exploring new opportunities today? We've, I've been reading studies recently that suggest that most of the people in senior 
sustainability positions within companies today did not receive a, an advanced education uh, around sustainability and ESG data or have prior experience in the field. In the book, I, I talk a little bit about this. And, and I, you know, the first observation is I don't think there's even a community college in America uh, that you will not find at least one course on sustainability uh, or the environment or something like that. We just keep calling it. it there might have been a course about the environment. Now it's a course about sustainability. But even at the, you know, a, a night school community college and, 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 and um, uh, so the 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 courses the coursework is available but the 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 numbers of courses uh, or or bachelor's programs master's programs and phd programs uh are accelerating you know as fast as the esg data and accessibility and and new new businesses um at least as a minor you know i think every college person should consider you know, getting a business degree with a minor in ESG or sustainability, an economics degree, a psychology degree uh, with a minor in sustainability, because it's going to be part of, you know, our future, everything. Uh, when I first started hanging around ESG and sustainability conferences 10 years ago, uh, it seemed that the conference always ended with the same question. What does this conference look like in 10 years? And then they'd always have the same canned answer that we won't have this conference ever in 10 years. It'll be so embedded in our lifestyle that there'd be no such thing as an ESG conference or a sustainability conference. It'll just be second nature to us. I'm not so sure that's going to happen in 10 years, but I believe in the concept that it is going to be so ingrained. Um, you know, Paul and Michael aren't going to wake up Monday morning and decide, you know, I think I'll pollute today. Um, or you know what, this whole woman's movement thing, what a fad, you know, it's, it's going to change. Um, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, one of my measures is the CFA exam. When I got out of school in the late eighties, for whatever reason in the world, uh, ethics were a big problem, uh, on wall street. So ethics became a key component of the CFA exam. Uh, my understanding is the last two new topics on the CFA exam are uh, blockchain and ESG. And for what, I, what I've seen, these topics don't disappear. Uh, it becomes basic fundamental knowledge for a career in finance. Um, so, you know, if that's any measure, uh, ESG is not going anywhere. And uh, again, the, 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 the employment in the future will have some type of sustainability or ESG component as a requirement. Yes, well, thank you very much for your time today, Michael. I agree with the, the, the final statement that you've made, and that's one of the reasons that we're so excited to have a firm like Acre as our sponsor for the platform. So, Michael, where online can followers of the Sustainable Finance Podcast learn more about your work at Ideal Ratings, and how can they reach out to you with questions about the issues that we've discussed in today's program? So my day job, my, my passion is uh, I, you can go to www.idealratings.com to find uh, Ideal Ratings and uh, our data offerings. Um, I do have a separate website for the book, which is theesgdatarevolution.com. Um, and uh, you can, I'll be putting some videos up there and, and uh, accessibility to the book. Um, I'm 
on on LinkedIn. I do have a newsletter, which is the ESG Data Revolution newsletter that's uh, uh, been been very well accepted. Uh, if anybody wants to contact me directly, it's Michael at the ESGDataRevolution.com. And thanks again so much. Great. Well, many thanks to Michael Poisson, author of the ESG Data Revolution, Sustainable Fuel for Tomorrow's Business. Michael's also the Managing Director at Ideal Ratings here in the U.S. And for our listeners, if you're ready to take your team to the next level, or if you're an experienced sustainability professional, visit the Acre website to get in touch. With the right individuals leading the way in your company, sustainability becomes more than a buzzword. Let Acre enable real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in your team. And to our followers, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.